0: Good morning, and welcome to USA Wealth Group's Money Wise radio show with Ray Lance. Ray Lance is your financial and retirement guide, and his mission is to help you protect your family and protect your money. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Money Wise, and thank you for listening every weekend. We really appreciate your your faithful attendance to the radio. Today, we're going to talk about stretching out your nest egg. And we're going to talk about what is a nest egg, first of all. Actually, we might even start by talking about what is an egg, because I have some egg jokes. And this morning we have with us attorney Michael Coleman. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. Good to be here. Thank you for uh, being with us this morning. But uh, no rotten egg jokes, just some regular egg jokes that we're going to talk about this morning. But you know what? Your nest egg is really, really important There was an article that appeared a few weeks ago, Mike, in the Boston Globe that talked about stretching the nest egg. Smart strategies, careful planning, make your retirement funds last longer. So the good news is that we're all living longer, and the bad news is that we're all living longer. (laughs) We have to make sure that our money is going to last as long as we do. So today we're going to talk about some ideas for stretching out your nest egg. And the younger you are when you start to build your nest egg, the better you're going to be. The uh, Wall Street Journal once said that the longer you work, the more money you'll have for retirement. But the longer you work, the less time you'll have to enjoy that retirement. So you have to have a real balancing act when it comes to retirement planning. And a lot of people have no choice but just to continue working as long as they can. And um, we want to make sure that doesn't happen to you. Uh, Retirement is when you stop living at work and begin working at living. Mm. That's an unknown author, by the way. But I like some of the egg jokes, um, nest egg jokes. Um, Mike, I have to share a couple of those with you. Let's hear them. With our listener audiences. So I don't have any blindness when it comes to my money. As an actor, you get distracted by your work. I do keep an eye on my nest egg, if you will. That was Judd Nelson, an uh, actor. And um, Norm Coleman, oh, no, Coleman, no relationship to no, attorney Michael not. Coleman, <laughs> once said, there is a real opportunity right now as parents and grandparents to come up with a plan that leaves our kids with something better than we have. That is an opportunity to own, build, and grow a nest egg of their own.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, one of the things I talk about a lot on the radio is the fact that we don't do enough as parents, as adults, as educators, to teach children about money. But the other thing that we don't do in this country is we don't start early enough to build a nest egg. So today we're going to talk about nest eggs. uh, I do have a a few uh, quotations about eggs in general because I thought eggs in general somewhat relate to nest eggs, don't they? So this is uh, somebody named Bjork. Hmm. Is that a singer? No, he's a football fan, though. He said, football is a fertility festival, 11 sperm trying to get into the egg. I feel sorry for the goalkeeper. (laughs) That's not exactly, that's kind of a mixed metaphor, isn't it? Right. But I have to give you one more quotation along the same vein because I kind of laughed out loud when I read this one. This is by Dave Barry. It is a well-documented fact that guys will not ask for directions. This is a biological thing. This is why it takes several million sperm cells to locate a female egg despite the fact that the egg is relative to them the size of Wisconsin. Hmm. It's a race. (laughs) But no men don't ask for directions but we are going to talk this morning about stretching your nest egg and it really starts out with social security planning. You have to do proper social security planning. Did you know, Mike, that something like 50% of all Americans start taking Social Security at the age of 62? And that's too early, I think. It's too early for most people. You really make a big mistake in most cases when you do that because, first of all, you're going to get approximately one-third less than you would if you waited until age 66. Mm -hmm. And then between the age 66 and age 70, if you can wait that long, you're going to make another... 32% more. Mm -hmm. It's actually 25% and 32%. But the bottom line is that most people just don't get proper information when it comes to taking Social Security. There are something like 537 separate particular decision rules that you can follow and something like 20,000 pages of regulations just dealing with Social Security. So it's a complicated subject but One of the most important things you can do to stretch out your nest egg is just delay taking Social Security.
1: I think one of the reasons people sort of want to take Social Security at that age is they are afraid that if they lose out on those four years of payments and then in the end, they're not going to be able to make it back. Is that something that you think people think about a lot?
0: Yeah, I believe they do. And there's something that's really important. Um, It's sort of a new strategy that we're talking to clients about right now. What happens if you didn't take Social Security at age 62, and then at age 65 all of a sudden you have some kind of a a really bad disease which is going to shorten your life expectancy, you're going to regret not having taken Social Security. And so here's something that you can do. You can say, I'm going to file for Social Security at age 62, but then I'm going to immediately suspend. So I'm going to file and suspend, but that activates your account but it doesn't cost you any money to do that and then it, let's say at age 65 you develop a terminal illness for example you can now go back and immediately grab all the money that you didn't take at age 62 from age 62 up to age 65 and that's something that people don't realize as well so you're not going to lose out on that money and would those payments be
1: um, calculated from the age of 62 or from? they the would age? okay
0: yes they would be calculated from age 62 It doesn't mean you're gonna get a larger amount because now you're claiming it at age 65. But you know what? It's not gonna affect everybody, but if you happen to be in that situation, and if you had a fear of, gosh, if I don't take it now and then I get sick and die, I'm gonna have wasted all this money. That's one way to avoid doing that. Mm -hmm. So you can put off file and suspend at age 62. That allows you to go back and retroactively claim the lump sum if you have a need to because you have a terminal illness for example and then what if what about the future payments would those also be
1: calculated from age 62 or
0: yes the future payments would be calculated at age 62 and so maybe then what you do is you file and suspend at age 62 but then you say i'm going to actually collect starting at age 66 and collect my regular amount at 66 oh, okay. okay and so then you are still going to collect at the higher amount at age 66 Mm -hmm. or at age 70, for example. But if you have that unfortunate event, let's say you're planning all along that you're not going to collect until age 70 because you want the higher amount, maybe at age 68 or 69 you suddenly have some problem. You can now retroactively go back and pull in all the amount as a lump sum so either you or your family will have the benefit of all that money.
1: Mm -hmm. That makes sense.
0: But this is the kind of thing that illustrates some of the complexity of making decisions for Social Security. And one of the things that we do in our office is we have certain kinds of software that we use that will allow us to calculate what's the most appropriate age for any individual to collect. And if they can afford to delay and afford to defer, then it's often to their advantage to do that. We can do the calculations to help you do that.
1: That's one of the things I was going to ask. I mean, an average person, you know, talking about this subject or listening to this show wouldn't probably be able to calculate that on their own, so they would want to talk to someone that could do that.
0: No, to be very fair and open, the uh, Social Security website, socialsecurity.gov, does offer calculators, but it's really hard to do. Um, Another quick example is they have something called the WEP, or Windfall Elimination Provision, and... um, if you are subject to that prohibition because you've had a government job, perhaps, but you want to collect Social Security, there's going to be an offset. Um, you can do that calculation online, but it takes a long time. It requires you to put in individual amounts for each individual year that you worked. So it's not necessarily an easy thing to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And that was
0: to prevent the double dipping that used to go on between? Yes. Yeah. Used to be you could have a government job, have a government pension, and then take a job not related to the government in the private sector, pay into social security, and you'd be able to collect both a teacher pension, a military pension, as well as collect social security. Hmm. Uh, That's no longer allowable. Now there's an offset formula that has to be used. I see. But still there's the ability to collect some social security depending upon how the numbers work out. And uh, we can help give advice on that Um, Another thing you can do, um, and Consumer Reports recommends this as well, Consumer Reports did a survey of retired readers that shows that people who have a pension, some form of guaranteed income, have far greater satisfaction in retirement. Of course, the problem we have today is that traditional pensions are disappearing, and so one of the things that people are using to substitute for a pension is an annuity. And there are many, many different types of annuities. And again, we have a lot of misunderstanding about Social Security. We have even more misunderstandings with the public at large about annuities. And um, we can help educate people on that topic. We can help provide solutions. The most important thing people need to be worried about in retirement is not so much assets but are they going to have enough retirement income? And it's really the income that's the biggest problem for most people. And if you're not going to have a traditional pension and you might have some Social Security, let's say, typically Social Security alone is not going to be enough to take care of your income needs in retirement. Mm -hmm. And by the way, if you have um, interest in receiving a budget form, for example, because every kind of planning has to start with a budget, Give our office a call at USA Wealth Group, 508-998-8858. And we're happy to send you by email or by mail a free budget, as well as some very interesting reports on income planning. Income planning is really the most critical thing. And in order to stretch out the nest egg, which is what we're talking about today, you really need to do income planning. Because if you don't, you can spend down your nest egg much more quickly than what you really want to do. And there are different kinds of annuities, correct?
1: I mean, when we're talking on the subject of annuities, some people have some information, I think, that um, should be clarified when talking about annuities.
0: There's not only a lot of information available about annuities today, but um, almost every advisor has chimed in and said that you need to do some kind of annuity planning if you want to have a secure retirement. Everybody from Warren Buffett, He was a very famous investor, obviously, to the United States government, because as the government has cut back on programs that are available for retirement, they're advising people to look into doing annuities. And you know, when we talk about annuities, one of the questions that comes up a lot is, um, how safe are annuities? Um, I'm working on a book right now by Tony Robbins, and there's a question on how safe are annuities? The Power of Income Insurance. And annuities, first of all, have to have guarantees. And any guarantee is only as good as the insurance company that issues it. So it's important that when you work with an annuity, you work with a company that has a proper rating, has a good rating. We only like to work, for example, with companies that have some form of an A rating. And you can get a B rated or a C rated annuities. But we don't get involved in that. We don't uh, believe it. a lot of the top companies that do this business have more than a hundred years in business. Um, despite depressions, recessions, and wars, and everything else, they've continued successfully. But you know, Mike, we do have more than a thousand insurance companies operating um, in the United States, and it's really only the top companies that command the top ratings. So a lot of people are concerned about it. but. Um, As far as I know, I've never seen any instance of anybody ever losing money inside of an annuity product. And there are many, many reasons. There's insurance guarantee associations, for example, that are run by state insurance departments. Uh, They will guarantee annuities up to a certain amount. And um, there are also uh, other factors at force. But one of the strongest things that people can look at is, uh, what's the rating of the insurance company? And... One of the things you might not know, Mike, and um, I'll tell our listeners as well, is that one of the things insurance companies have to have is something called a dollar-for-dollar reserve requirement. So for every dollar that they have to pay out on a life insurance policy or for every dollar they have to pay out on an annuity contract, they have to have the same dollar in reserves. Sort of like their own insurance. It is insurance. And Massachusetts has a, a a well-deserved reputation for being one of the toughest states in the country for making sure that insurance companies are properly reviewed and properly regulated. But when insurance carriers carry these kinds of reserves, they have to have basically the same amount of money or more in assets if they had to pay out all of their claims today and all future guaranteed benefits as well. So what it really means is that they have to have in their own investments, their own savings accounts, at least as much money as it would take for every single policyholder to walk away with the value of their insurance contracts.
1: What would have to happen for that to happen, I wonder? Um, A war? aren't 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 there clauses in life insurance policies that say acts of war are not included?
0: Well, that has to do with life insurance. Uh, life insurance, uh, life insurance, right. insurance, payment of death benefits, sometimes what they'll do. That's a good question, though. Sometimes life insurance policies will exclude paying out on a death claim if the cause of death is from being in the military service, for example. Right. And that's why there's uh, government life insurance for people who uh, serve in the service. And by the way, not every insurance company will exclude that, but many of them will mm-hmm. because... Virtually by definition, if you go into the service and if you're in a wartime activity, uh, you're in danger. Right. So, so sometimes that's excluded. But uh, no, a little bit different. Um, but as a general proposition, any insurance company can never have more financial obligations on the books than what they have stored up in reserves. And um, they have to pass something called an asset adequacy test to make sure that they have. Proper amounts of money. So, for the most part, you can rest assured that your insurance policies are going to pay out, that your annuity contracts are going to pay out. And again, it is one of the reasons that we work with companies that have high rankings and high ratings, because that it reflects on their claims paying abilities.
1: Mm-hmm. So, what would be the difference between a, a company with an A rating and a, a B or C rating, for instance?
0: Well, I've never seen a company with a C rating. Once in a while, we've seen companies with a B or a B plus B++ rating, and that might reflect the fact that they have just acquired another company, for example, Mm -hmm. and maybe the regulators don't know quite how to properly rate them yet. Okay. Um, But um, generally, longevity, long history, good assets, all those kinds of things go into uh, the rating of an insurance company. Mm -hmm. But... um, even if a whole bunch of things happened all at the same time to coincide with losses. And we're not talking about natural disasters. That's something totally different. We're talking strictly on life insurance and annuity contracts. And those are not usually companies that handle property and casualty claims, Mm -hmm. like hurricane losses, for example. Right. But um, in any event, uh, Companies also have something called free surplus, which means over and above what they need to cover the claims of every single policy in the company. They also have an additional reserve, which is called their free surplus. And sometimes that's called, I know this is a little bit uh, um, technical, but sometimes it's called a surplus of capital. So one of the things we look for is to make sure that companies also have surplus of capital, more Mm -hmm. than what they need to pay. And then the other thing to tell you about companies in general is often they're owned by a parent company, and the parent company may have even further assets themselves. So there are many, many ways in which um, insurance products are very safe, very secure, and as a general proposition, people can feel very comfortable in doing that. But let's talk about your nest egg again. Um, Should you have money into an annuity? If you have money into an annuity, let's say it's a a payout annuity, a a single premium immediate annuity, for example, that's when you give a company a sum of money and you say, I wanna have a check come in every single month, starting a month from now and for the rest of my life, or maybe I want it for a a 20-year term or something of that nature, you can do it that way. And that's a way to create a regular source of income And that's what a lot of people really need is they need to know that they're going to have sufficient income and they want to plan. People like to be able to plan. I mean, I I would think that you do the same thing. I do the same thing. You want to know that you can count on a certain amount of money coming in every week or every month. If you don't, um, then it's cause for anxiety. Well, using a payout annuity is a way that people can do that.
1: And then, you know, should someone pass away um, before... With money left in that annuity, what happens to that money? They can pass it on to their heirs?
0: Oh, yes. The money goes to their named beneficiary. Um, If they don't have a beneficiary named, it would go to their heirs. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, you're always going to have somebody named as your beneficiary. Right. And uh, so, yes. That's that's one thing we talk about in estate planning, too, when we look
1: at life insurance policies or IRAs or anything with beneficiaries, we always tell people to check to make sure they have the contingent beneficiaries lined up because a lot of times it would be, you know, a husband for a wife or a wife for a husband. They don't really think about what would happen mm-hmm. after they both pass
0: away. So you always make sure, for example, in your business, in your practice, that you have contingent beneficiaries or right. successor beneficiaries. Exactly, because
1: otherwise, you know, a life insurance proceed check would be made out to the estate of someone and if that's the case, then we have to go through the probate process just to get that check cashed. Mm-hmm. So that can be a
0: problem. Well, naming beneficiaries is very important. Um, I just gave a little presentation on that subject um, about a week ago, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, and talked about how important that is. And um, I guess you sometimes name beneficiaries per stirpes, right? We do. And that's
1: a very simple way to sort of get around the idea of having to name um, particular people, um, basically, what that does is it's saying it's going to children. Um, then, if you don't have children, then to descendants, basically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes I have clients come in saying, Well, we have more grandchildren now than we did before. What do we need to do to change things? And I say, Well, you don't really need to because we already thought about that.
0: If you named it Purstherpes. Right, exactly. Because then it's going to follow the bloodline. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's an important piece of information. Mike, I know you just finish, finished uh, doing some seminars, or you're in the middle of some seminars recently um, in this area, but I know you're also doing some seminars on the Cape uh, in the near future, aren't you? We are.
1: We have four seminars coming up. Uh, the first is on Wednesday, September 30th. That's at 6.30 p.m., and that's at the Holiday Inn in uh, Hyannis, uh, 1127 Iono Road. Um, we have another one on Saturday, October 3rd. That's at 10 a.m., and that's at the Conference Center at Cape Cod and Islands Association of Realtors. That's at 22 Mid-Tech Drive in uh, West Yarmouth. We have um, two, actually, on Tuesday, October 6th, and one's at 2 p.m., and the second is at 6.30 p.m., and that's at Hearth and Kettle, uh, 9 West Road in Orleans, Mass. So if you'd like to sign up for any of these, you can call us at 508 998 8800, or you could visit our website,
0: that's lancelawinc.com. And I know, Mike, in your office, uh, you and Attorney Tenny Lance specialize in doing work in the area of estate planning and living trust and Medicaid planning and those things.
1: Mm -hmm. We do trusts. uh, We do trust administration. We do probate work. Um, So at the seminar, we'll talk about all the different documents that we think people should have. We'll also talk about estate taxes, here in Massachusetts, there's a $1 million estate tax exemption for every person. Um, so we'll discuss that and how to sort of manage that tax liability. And we'll also get into the uh, topic of nursing homes and mass health and Medicaid. Why should people do estate planning? Um, for a number of reasons, really. I mean, people want to pass on their assets to particular people that they uh, love and care about. Sometimes there are people that they don't want to pass assets on to. Um, they want to avoid probate. They don't want to get the court involved. We have a number of cases right now with people who did just simple wills or didn't do anything at all. And their heirs are anxious to get things done and they don't really understand that, that, you know, they're basically at the mercy of the court.
0: I think in basic terms too, the reason that people ought to do estate planning is because they really ought to be concerned about protecting their spouse or their children or their family and their assets. And, if they don't make a plan, then they can't do those things, can right. they?
1: No. I mean, Massachusetts has uh, a statute, which is basically a plan for you if you haven't done any planning, um, but that's not really all that admirable. You don't want the state to be
0: determining where you pass your
1: assets to. So,
0: mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to come back in a couple of minutes, and I want to continue the discussion about what can we do to stretch out the nest egg. And I want to talk about some of the misconceptions people have about annuities and why they can be a really good thing. But we're also going to talk about some of the interesting things you can do with life insurance that people aren't aware of, not only to protect assets from a nursing home, but to create a retirement benefit. And typically people don't think about retirement planning as involving life insurance, but we're going to explain how that can happen. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We will be right back. Welcome back ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Money Wise and today we're talking about stretching your nest egg and how to protect your nest egg and what is your nest egg and what are some of the interesting things you can do. Well the nest egg we often think about as being that that we've put aside that's going to help protect us in kind times of emergencies or for retirement and. Uh, this morning we have with us attorney Michael Coleman. So Michael, Good morning. welcome back.
1: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. You know, um, nest eggs are really uh, important things to do, um, and not everybody has the opportunity to, to do that. But an egg today is better than a hen tomorrow. Who said that? I don't know. Ben Franklin. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> ben Franklin had lots of great quotations.
1: I don't know if I understand that one, though.
0: Yeah, an egg today is better than a hen tomorrow. Well, I guess if you think about it, he's thinking about having the income oh, from okay. the hen. You're living the in the, the moment product. kind of the thing? Product. Well, not necessarily living in the moment, but having something to be able to eat today oh, okay, rather than the hen tomorrow. Who knows? That was maybe one of his more obscure quotations. <laughs> <laughs> well, in any event, we won't belay the uh, subject of uh, eggs, but let's talk... About annuities, again, a lot of people historically have been um, afraid of annuities or haven't understood them. Mm. And part of the reason goes back to the fact that uh, typically people had pension plans, and when they went to retire, they had to choose between taking a lump sum or taking a pension payout option, and usually in some form of an annuity payout. But if the person didn't live a long time, then it was simply terminate. And so because it was characterized as an annuity payout, people thought that the family really got hurt badly because they didn't get much money from it because the annuity payout just stopped. But that's not what a commercial annuity is today. That's not an annuity that people might uh, take out by taking money from a bank account, for example. But the kinds of annuities that we work primarily with are fixed annuities or fixed indexed annuities, And sometimes people work with variable annuities, and that's another reason why people have a bad image sometimes of annuities, because a variable annuity is subject to all the ups and downs of the stock market. Mm -hmm. A variable annuity is typically invested in mutual funds, and if the market goes down, the whole value of the account can go down. Um, We have not been big fans of variable annuities, and In fact, in our office, we only work with uh, fixed annuities or fixed indexed annuities because um, they're much safer for retirement concerns. Uh, They can't go down uh, in value, and uh, you can generate income from them. And um, so, a fixed annuity or fixed indexed annuity is a much more conservative way to put money into an annuity product. So, there's no real risk to principal in that. There's no risk to principal and in fact many of the uh, products today are paying bonus returns. Um, the length of the annuity contract will vary depending upon whether it pays a bonus up front or doesn't pay a bonus up front. But there's some really good choices that people can take a look at and um, we like to see people at least investigate them. So um, I'd like to give you a quick quotation from um, Paul Allen, he was one of the co-founders of Microsoft Mm -hmm. Corporation. He said, we have a manufactured vision of what retirement is, and that doesn't necessarily correlate with reality. Unless you have a well-thought-out scenario, you're going to be in for a shock at retirement. And we tell people this all the time. You have to have some kind of a plan to retire. And, um, you know, should you retire early? Well, it depends on what you want to do with your life. Uh, an unknown author said, before deciding to take early retirement from your job, stay home for a week and watch daytime television. <laughs> and that one's true, isn't yeah, it? I know a lot of people think a retirement would be
1: great, but then they stay home for a week or you know, maybe they're the kind of people that just need to be at work. I mean, some people are sort of just restless.
0: Well, I like to tell people that um, you ought to have a plan for retirement and not just a financial plan. You ought to talk about, you got to think about talk to your family about what do you plan to do in retirement? Are you going to do traveling? Are you going to do more gardening? Are you going to see grandchildren more frequently? You know, what do you what do you plan to do? Do you plan to volunteer? What's the next phase of your life going to be like? And we actually have some good materials that will help people take a look at some of those questions. Right, and some people have been working for so long that it's sort of hard to imagine your life without that job. It's a big letdown for uh, many many people. One of the things I'd like to mention about stretching out your retirement and stretching out your nest egg is life insurance. And typically people don't think of life insurance as being a retirement vehicle, but it very much can be, and it can be a very interesting form of um, retirement vehicle. And here's the way it might work, for example. If you had something called indexed uh, life insurance, it's basically similar to an indexed annuity, except that it also has a death benefit. So let's say that you have um, a husband who is healthy and he maybe hasn't saved quite enough money, but he wants to put some money aside into a life insurance policy to be able to take care of his his wife Mm -hmm. if something happens to him. So he takes out a life insurance policy, an index life insurance policy, but he can also build cash value. And so if you do this early enough in life, or if you started out with a larger sum of money as an example, um, then if you need to take money out for retirement purposes, you can borrow money from the life insurance company. And you're not pulling your own cash out of this life insurance policy, which would be income to you if you did, mm-hmm. but you're borrowing from the general account of the insurance company. And because you're borrowing from the insurance company, it's not income. Okay. So effectively, it's like retirement money or retirement income, if you will, but it's not income for tax purposes.
1: Right, and then I assume that that money would be paid back out of the death
0: benefit later on? Exactly. So if you have an opportunity to build up cash value inside of a life insurance policy, and then you die, well, there's usually going to be a much larger death benefit that's going to be available for whoever your beneficiary is. Let's say it's a surviving spouse. On the other hand, if you need to take money out to live on uh, for retirement purposes, you can take the money out by taking the loan from the insurance company. If you plan this appropriately, it can actually be better than an IRA account. So here's an example. uh, Let's say you had uh, a big chunk of money sitting in a bank account, and it's not doing anything for you because bank rates are still very low. You could take that money instead and buy a single premium life insurance policy. And there's something called a MEC or a modified endowment contract, which is a little technical. We won't go into that, but because you're borrowing money when you need it, not from your own account, you don't violate these modified endowment contract rules. Mm-hmm. You're borrowing it instead from the insurance company, so we don't worry about the MEC rules. Mm-hmm. So it gives good access to cash when you need cash. Um, let's let's say, for example, you have $100,000 sitting in a bank account of extra money, and it's making you one-half of 1% or something less today.
1: Which would be good for
0: bank rates these days. Yes, which would be about what bank rates are. What you can do instead is you can take that money and put it into a single premium life insurance policy, and depending upon your age, of course, maybe it buys a policy for $250,000. So now you have a $250,000 death benefit. But you also have this fund inside the insurance policy It's going to continue to build cash value for you, and it's basically an asset that you can use uh, as collateral, if you will, mm-hmm. by borrowing directly from the insurance company. So when you do those kinds of things, um, mm-hmm. you're taking money back out. You're, number one, you're making more money than you would in the bank account. Mm-hmm. Number two, you have access to the cash if you need it. Number three, you have a death benefit if you die for a larger sum of money. So you've multiplied the value of your asset for your beneficiary. And if you need money for retirement purposes, you have the ability to borrow money back out. So you can take out that $100,000 if you wanted to, and you'd still be left
1: with a $150,000 death benefit. Exactly. That's amazing.
0: And so if you, let's say you borrow the money from the insurance company, and of course it does cost interest to do that, and then you die, then the loan gets paid off. Wow. And uh, so indexed universal life insurance will uh, generate money at a more rapid rate. Um, So it provides protection, uh, liquidity, upside potential. It's safe. It's secure. And if you don't want to own that policy, by the way, you can have it owned by something that I think that you do, the irrevocable life insurance trust. We
1: do those, yes. It essentially takes the... Uh, Money that you put into that policy out of your estate. So a big reason people do that is for the estate tax here in Massachusetts. They want to Put those assets into something that's not going to be included in their estate, but still pass it on to their beneficiaries.
0: Hmm. You know Mike one of the other things we can do to protect um, our nest egg is to have long-term care insurance one of the greatest concerns that people have today is wanting to protect their assets their home if somebody has to go to a nursing home. And so you can do long-term care insurance. Um, long-term care insurance is a, is a great benefit. Uh, if you can afford it, it's terrific. Um, not everybody uh, can afford it. It tends to be a little bit expensive. And again, you could use life insurance as an alternative.
1: Right, hmm
0: Because one of the other features that's uh, out there today on life insurance policies it's a little bit different from what we were talking about a couple minutes ago, is you can have a life insurance policy with what's called living benefits. Effectively, it's a rider so that if the person who's the the insured in the life insurance policy has to go to a nursing home and they can't do two out of the six activities of daily living, Mm -hmm. similar to a long-term care insurance policy, what they can do then is they can say, I'm not coming home again, or the family can say this, we need to activate some of the money from the death benefit proceeds. So again, let's say you had a $250,000 death benefit on the policy. Well, we know at some point the insurance company is going to have to pay that out. Then you can access a part of those death benefits and pull the money out ahead of time and use it to help pay for the cost of the nursing home. Mm -hmm. And one
1: of the things, the good thing about uh, long-term care insurance that you sort of just mentioned is that if you do have a policy that meets certain standards, then um, and you go into a nursing home with part of that policy left over, then your house would essentially be protected.
0: Yep, that's a good point. You can protect the house doing that. Yeah. And um, so you can use an insurance policy as a vehicle to protect the house, basically. Right, exactly. Um, and I know you do work in that area as well. Um, but... There are many, many things you can do, and I just want to encourage people to think differently about life insurance. It's not just, well, that's in case I die, it takes care of my family. Yes, it does that. But today, the features of life insurance are totally different than they were even five years ago mm-hmm. and 10 years ago. Right, uh, They've totally changed, both with the living benefits that allow you to access money if you need it for long-term care, and then also building a retirement account benefit if you want to access money for retirement.
1: Right, and we also have clients who have estate tax
0: exposure, and life insurance can actually be a good way to manage that as well. Have you had situations when you've advised people to have a life insurance policy to take care of the estate tax?
1: Right, yeah, definitely. The estate tax here in Massachusetts starts at about $38,000 once you get over the million-dollar mark. Um, So one strategy could be to buy one of those life insurance policies And the death benefit would go to covering the estate tax liability.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, I have uh, life insurance myself, and um, it's always good to have it inside of an irrevocable life insurance trust.
1: Right. It removes that that asset from your estate, basically, and then your heirs don't have to worry about where they're going to find money to pay that estate tax.
0: You know, briefly coming back to the annuity discussion for a minute, one of the things that annuities provide that virtually nothing else does is... um, The opportunity for a lifetime income and to uh, make the quality of life much better in uh, retirement and as I said earlier pensions are disappearing you can't really count on pensions any longer so one of the things you can do and in fact even if you have a pension like a lot of teachers for example will have a state pension from uh, for retirement purposes but they'll often set aside additional sums of money uh, into a retirement annuity Mm -hmm. as a supplement to supplement their teacher pensions. So lots and lots of good things that we can recommend to people. Um, We work with uh, companies that will provide the opportunity to measure an annuity by the performance of the S&P 500, for example, which is a very stable index. Mm -hmm. And um, if you happen to have a deferred annuity, which is an annuity typically for some term of years. It could be anything from 5 years to 10 years to 12 years. And the longer the term, the better the payments, usually the better savings ability. But if you've set up an annuity like that, then you need access to your money. All these annuity contracts work very much the same. You get good access to your money. Most of them will provide that you can take out 10% a year, Mm -hmm. for example, with no surrender charge, no penalty. Right. And so... In general, is there,
1: you know, if you're talking to someone who has five hundred thousand dollars in liquid assets, would how much of that would you say to put into an annuity? Is there a percentage mark or?
0: Sure. No, that's a that's a good question, Mike. Um, and again, a reminder: we're talking with attorney Michael Coleman this morning. Um, if I had somebody with five hundred thousand dollars worth of assets, the first thing I would say to them is, keep a certain amount of money for liquidity and for emergency needs if you need it maybe in that situation it might be 20%, it might be $100,000. And even though you're making very little in the bank, um, maybe you want to keep that kind of money as sort of a safety cushion. So typically I wouldn't recommend they put more than $400,000 into the annuity in that situation. But if they did it with one of the indexed annuities that pays the bonuses, for example, $400,000 would generate a 10% premium bonus. Mm -hmm. Their account starts out with $440,000. Oh. And it doesn't ever go down from there. It's guaranteed. And one of the other features that a lot of the companies will offer is to say uh, there's a family rider that will guarantee this account is going to go up a certain percentage every year for death benefit purposes. It might hmm. be 35 or 4%. And then so in the event that the annuitant, the owner of the contract and the annuitant dies, the contract will pay out whatever it has actually accumulated to or this increasing annual death benefit, hmm. whichever is greater.
1: Wow. What kinds of returns do you s- normally see on these?
0: Annuities? Well, one of the companies we're working with, uh, which has its indexed annuity tied to an S&P 500 index, their average return after expenses has been just under 6%. Hmm. Oh. And the companies do vary. Um, those won't necessarily be a guaranteed return. right? And they will vary from company to company. But we're, we're working with, as I said, only A-rated companies. You know, and annuities are taxed a little bit differently, too. They're, they're taxed a little bit like an IRA is taxed. Mm-hmm. So as you might know with an IRA, um, you have to be 59 and a half to take money out of your IRA, mm-hmm. or you pay extra money to the government. Right. You pay a penalty, a 10% penalty. Annuities are taxed very similarly. Um, if you take money out before age 59 and a half, then you can pay a penalty to the IRS. Oh, okay. So generally we're talking to people who um, may want to save for a longer term or who might be over the age of 59 and a half mm-hmm. in which case they typically have the ability to take out 10% every single year from the insurance company without paying any surrender fees or charges. Right. Um, so you do have good access to your money. Um, the amounts, the sums of money that these kinds of, vehicles are paying today is uh, far superior to what you're getting in bank accounts. But at the same time, you don't have the risk that you have in the stock market. Mm-hmm. So for somebody who wants to be a little bit more conservative as they get older, it's it's something they should th- certainly think about. The other thing that we want to talk about in stretching your nest egg is to make sure that you're, you're careful about how you do your withdrawals. Uh, we've talked about the importance of social security, we talked a little bit about annuities, and some life insurance uh, suggestions, we talked about long term care insurance, but you have to be able to afford that. But you have to also be able to think about um, how long does your money need to last? And so one of the questions I often like to ask, and I'm going to ask you right now on the radio, how long do you expect to live?
1: That's a good question, hopefully into my 80s.
0: I'm not asking you that question. Oh, okay. <laughs> You need to live in your nineties, <laughs> okay. or maybe your one hundreds. Uh, the age that you are right now, uh, I think your life expectancy, conservatively, would be at least a hundred.
1: Wow! And I hope I'm still able to move around and as and speak long as you can still age. kayak, right. you'll be all set. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so uh, no, but we all are all we are all living longer today, without question. Right. And what I like to ask people is, how long do you expect to live? So if you're 70 years old and you expect to live to 90, you're going to live another 20 years. So let's take a look at your money, your assets, your income. Is your money going to last as long as you do? Right. Or do you plan to be a burden to your children (laughs) and go live with them? Another good reason to put off
1: collecting Social Security until you're a little bit older.
0: Yes, and we tell people that all the time. Uh, If you can wait until age 66, if you can wait until age 70, then you start out with a larger sum. And it's not about assets, it's about income. You need to have enough retirement income to last. When we sit down to review a budget with people, we wanna know, is your income in retirement going to be greater than your budget needs? And don't assume when you retire that your budget is going to be less. It might be a little less for a few things, but pretty much people are gonna wanna still live their entire regular lifestyle. So if you'd like some information about annuities, by the way, we have a number of reports. If you want information about Social Security, uh, give our office a call at USA Wealth Group, 508-998-8858, and we've got all kinds of reports we can give you. Or better yet, go to one of the seminars that we do once in a while as well. We Um, have seminars coming up, speaking of that. yeah, One of your seminars again? We have one on uh,
1: Wednesday, September 30th. That's at 6.30 p.m. at the Holiday Inn in Hyannis. We have another one on Saturday, October 3rd. That's at 10 a.m. That's at the Conference Center at the Cape Cod and Islands Association of Realtors. That's at 22 Mid-Tech Drive in West Yarmouth. And then we have two on Tuesday, October 6th. One's at 2 p.m. and one's at 6.30 p.m. And they're both at Hearth and Kettle, uh, 9 West Road in Orleans, Mass. So if you'd like to sign up for any of those, call us at 508-998-8800 Or you can visit our website at lancelawinc.com.
0: Well, thanks for that information, Mike. And uh, if people are interested, whether you're listening in Hyannis or whether you're listening in Fall River or whether you're listening in New Bedford, you can go to one of these seminars. Mm -hmm. And I know you have reports that you give out in your office also.
1: We do. We have plenty of materials. Um, If it's living trusts or wills or probate or anything you want to learn more about, we certainly have those materials for you.
0: Mm. Well, um, we're looking forward to that. The important thing that you need to remember from today, ladies and gentlemen, is you've got to learn to do some things that will stretch out your nest eggs. We'd love to show you some ideas and some things that you can do to um, make that better. And don't overlook Medicaid strategies, which is our last major point we want to Mm -hmm. cover today. If there's a possible chance that you might need long-term care assistance, whether at home or in some kind of a nursing facility, you need to at least know what your options are through Medicaid. And one of the strategies for doing that is to sit down and meet with an elder law attorney and somebody who does a lot of work in the area of Medicaid. And who would that be, Mike? That would be me
1: or uh, Attorney Tanya Lance.
0: She's been doing that for a very long time.
1: So we certainly can talk about that. And one of the things that we consider sometimes is what's called a single premium immediate annuity. And when you're dealing with uh, MassHealth and Medicaid and nursing homes, there's what's called a five-year look back. So they're going to look back at what everything you've done in the past five years to determine whether or not you're eligible for Medicaid. But the good thing about the immediate annuity is you can take out you know a bunch of money and put it in that Im- immediate annuity, and that's not going to be a disqualifying transfer. So that's a, one strategy that we sometimes use.
0: I think it's true that for most people, the single most important assets they want to protect is their house. Right. And I know that you and Tenny get involved in doing a lot of that work too, don't you?
1: Yep, and that, that does involve the five-year look-back period um, because sometimes what people want to do is put their house into an irrevocable trust. Um, so the transfer starts the five-year look-back period. But once that's that's done, hopefully, um, based on which worker you get at MassHealth, I think it'll be protected.
0: Good. And again, if you'd like to reach attorney Michael Coleman, Mm -hmm. you can call him at 508-998-8800. Right. And he's located on Font's Corner Road. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening this morning. You know, what we try to do in my office at USA Wealth Group is explain safe money retirement strategies and income planning. If you don't do things to protect your money, first of all, and if you don't do things to make sure you have proper retirement income, you're going to have a hard time in retirement. And uh, one of the things that gives us a great deal of gratification is to know that we can show you ways that you can protect your money in ways that you can protect your family. And the top of the list for many, many things that we do is annuities because they're safe, they're conservative, and they'll allow you to grow your money because you need to grow as much money as you can also so that you'll have the required income you're going to need. If you'd like more information on safe money retirement income strategies, uh, come to one of our conferences, call us for some free information, or give us a call at 508-998-8858. We'll be happy to share information with you. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to talking with you again on the radio.